pain will come and pain will go, but I don't want to hold that pain to say like it it owes me something, like it owes me a lesson or it owes me, you know, something like growth. Like I don't want to do that because it'll happen naturally on its own. That's just how the universe works, you know? Welcome everyone. My name is Kapil Guy and you're tuned in to the Finding Perspective podcast where we share stories and get into deep conversation with the intent of educating our listeners to new insight, new ways of thinking, and of course, new perspectives. Today with me, I have a very special guest and his name is Randell Adjai. Randell is an author, speaker, arts educator, community leader, and spoken word artist who has founded and has been running Toronto's largest and longest running open mic event known as RISE. Randell was also named 2015's Torontonian of the Year. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Randell. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I've been, I've been, like I said, I've been trying to get you on here for a while. And I'm so glad that we were finally able to, uh, to make the time and meet here today. Um, so I would like to begin by going back to your youth, to when you were 12 years old. Um, there were a series of events that had occurred that had led you to eventually getting onto the path of the creative arts. Um, can you just tell us about that and what happened over there? Yeah. What transpired? I mean, initially I was just growing up in a really troubled community. I found myself getting into a lot of trouble, uh, hanging out with the wrong people, just really looking to find myself. And in the midst of finding myself, I lost myself many times. I was looking to find myself and other people who are really going through some challenges like myself. So, you know, we caused a lot of trouble. We were stealing, fighting, doing a lot of um, malicious stuff in the community. And I think it was kind of my way of releasing my anger. And for all of us, we were just trying to let go of some anger, blow off some steam. And, uh, you know, this notion of hurt people, hurt people. So I... I didn't know any other way, you know, it wasn't until I met my grade eight teacher who, uh, you know, just loved to her because I don't know how she seen what she's seen in me, you know, but she really gave me an opportunity to find my way of expressing myself. And that was, you know, through poetry and really using the spoken word as a way to kind of like release my pain and my anger. What was it that you were angry about? I was angry about a lot of things, you know, I think, my, my parents, I was angry with just relationship with my parents. Um, I was angry about uh, some trauma. And I also dealt with a lot of childhood trauma at a really young age. And I, I didn't realize that until like last year that, I, that it's, a, it's a thing that still affects me today. And I didn't know how to articulate it at like 10, 11, 12 years old. So trauma, um, you know, abandonment neglect um and just overall like wanting to have a better relationship with my parents but the fact that they worked a lot and um you know they had their own stuff going on too so i just felt like really alone in the world i mean like you said you can't articulate it at that time Mm -hmm. um so did you feel that you by you going out there um committing crimes or whether it was petty crimes was that way of you kind of like getting back at the world, did you feel? You know, that notion of hurt people, hurt people, yeah. that's really what I felt. You know, I felt hurt. And I guess I just wanted other people to feel what I felt too. I didn't, I, it was unconscious though. It was unconscious, yeah. Um, but definitely, I think, I, I just, I didn't know any other way. Right, right. 
So how did you, you said that your grade eight teacher had introduced you to spoken word? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. When I was young, I was like six years old. I'd always pick up a pen and pencil and just kind of write my thoughts out about like different feelings that I had. So, you know, writing was uh, even at a young age. And I mean, I'm talking like five, six years old. I'd write like journal entries and stuff like people, get, you know, things that happen, girls I liked, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I think with her, she... You know, I just want you to imagine, like, I'm 13 years old. It's her second year of teaching. She gets this record of a 13-year-old boy who's been arrested, who's been suspended. You know, he's not he's not your average kid. And I think most teachers would probably think that he, you know, was trouble. He was uh, malignant, whatever, you know, labels. A lot of labels is what I got. But one thing I loved about her is she wanted to take the time to get to know me. And whether that be through, you know, talking to me at lunchtime or during recess and asking me certain questions. And she just helped me see myself in a different light that I never knew existed. And so she allowed me to, you know, for an assignment, I wrote a poem about my life. And I remember looking at the poem, like I couldn't believe that I went through that, you know, it was just kind of this, you know, uh, reflective moment of looking back at what I'd experienced from a more conscious place. Uh, more reflective place. And I've never, I didn't do that at that age. So it, it opened me up to a world of self-expression and I guess self-discovery. And at, at the age of 12? Uh, 12, 13, yeah. 12, 13. 12, 13, yeah. Do you, do you remember that first poem? Like, like what, no, I'm not asking you to, to recite it, but do you remember, like, do you remember what you had said in it? Absolutely. I talked about, you know, growing up in a, in a troubled neighborhood. I talked about being arrested. I thought about, I talked about being suspended and then just, Towards the end, I just just realized that I could do better, you know? And the poem just really reflected on, even though I went through this, I can overcome it. Even though I went through this, it doesn't define me. Even though I went through this, doesn't mean that I have to continue following that path, essentially. So was it in that moment that you decided that I'm going to continue writing poems? Like, did you know that I'm going to continue writing poems and hopefully one day I could be a professional? Or was just, I like this, let's try it again. Uh, it was more, I like this, let's try it again. But I put it down, you know, I picked up a basketball and basketball became like, like the basketball was a pen and then the hoop became the paper essentially, mm. you know what I mean? So I guess I replaced it for another way. And because, you know, being that, that young, I had so much energy. Basketball yeah. was just the thing that I wanted to do. And it was just really popular. Like the culture of course, was starting to really fall in love with basketball at that age, at that time. And uh, I didn't pick up a bat. I didn't pick up a pen until probably I was 16 again when I was re-inspired by a poet named Buna Muhammad. Mm. And I seen him perform at an event at U of T. Okay. And uh, I just remember seeing him on stage and I was like, I'm going to be doing that one day. And sure enough, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so how was, um, how was spoken word different to you from music? Um, spoken word is a little bit different because it gives you a bit more free range to express ideas and music can do the same thing too. I think with music, you're kind of working with a meter, right? Uh, a tempo, a beat. And so spoken word gives you a bit more free range to pause when you need to, to repeat when you can, um, to hold a thought, to really dive into thought. And not to say music can do the same thing, but um, you're not, you're not, I don't, like you're not limited to a beat. You know, you create your own beat at this at the same time. And I think that's where they differ. But also with spoken word, it doesn't necessarily have to rhyme. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to sound a certain way. There's no uh, blueprint necessarily for how poetry or spoken word can be expressed because mm-hmm. it can be theatrical, right. it can be reflective, it can be philosophical, it can have a bunch of different ways. It can be comical too, right? And I just love the freeness that you get with poetry. It's just putting thoughts and ideas on paper, you know? I like that you mentioned the freeness and also the fact that it doesn't have to rhyme. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I think that when we're kids, we're always taught that poetry must rhyme. Exactly. You know, there's the ABAB structure or AABB, <laughs> you know, like all these, you know, these, these basic elementary structures, which I can understand. Yeah. Um, and that's why when like, when I started giving poetry a chance, um, I started listening in high school to deaf poetry. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where I first got introduced to it my favorite poem on there was if you remember gemini penny for your thoughts yo that was so amazing man i still go back to that poem sometimes i go back to it probably once a week it's so amazing man and there's another one shihan uh this type of love i know that one man those two were my favorite okay that's amazing Um, what i what, what something that really stood out to me about poetry was detail yeah um, you know, when people would emphasize so much detail on these small things, mm-hmm. like my fingernails were changing and I could see the scars with like, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, I don't yeah. even, I don't even want to make an attempt right now, what you mean, though. but that was it. It was detail. And mm. do you think that reflects us as people that mm. perhaps sometimes we don't pay attention to the small, de- the small details in our day-to-day lives and that's, what's coming out with spoken word. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you 100%. Actually, that's a really good analysis, and I would agree just on the on the merit that we live in such an information age of being inundated by information these days. Where you know it's it's not often where you get to really pay attention and, and dive deep into you know the way you see the world, your perspective right. on the world, right? Whereas right now you can share your perspective, but you're also inundated by other people's perspective. And I think poetry, because it's it's more reflective, it's more of a personal experience with your words and your thoughts. And when you do go into detail, it's it's quite amazing, actually. You know, like it's quite amazing. I've I've heard some some poets go in on some details. Yeah. You know that I, I never even thought about before. I was like, oh, I never even knew you could do that. And then yep. the way they kind of you know use metaphors and similes to relate to other things, it's like yo. It's limitless. Like what you could do with poetry is really limitless, you know? Right, right. And that's that's one thing that I picked up from it was detail. Is that, and I was really curious to the ways that people put detail on certain things. Absolutely. Uh, for example, with that poem um, that Gemini did, mm-hmm. Penny for Your Thoughts, mm-hmm. he talked about um, 72 lashes on your upper right eye. Yeah, yeah, and right. I was like, what? Like, I never heard something like that before. Right. You know, and, you know, you hear it with music, of course, in different ways, but mm-hmm. that was the one thing that really stood out to me with poetry. Yeah. Uh, spoken word. To be honest, I still want somewhat of a rhyme scheme. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's melody. To I know me. what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need somewhat of a rhyme scheme. For sure. But what really intrigues me is when I can listen to a poem without a rhyme scheme and still mm-hmm. like it. For sure. So that to me is is storytelling at its at its peak. Absolutely. Did you did you ever give music a chance? Um, I mean, I guess I gave it a chance, uh, and I'll probably dabble into it a little bit more like this year, next year. But it's just not necessarily something that I wake up saying like, yeah, I want to make music. You know, I do wake up and say I want to write a poem, or or at least challenge myself to write a certain amount of pages a day but yeah i don't really feel the same with music i rather i'd rather be behind the scenes of music uh than than like on the mic right music. yeah okay well we could get into that too yeah. um so you know i i comment a lot about you starting rise mm-hmm. um 
how did you come up with this idea? What are the origins of RISE? Mm-hmm. And what does RISE stand for? For sure. Uh, RISE stands for Reaching Intelligent Souls Everywhere. Love and it. the origins are really um, in 2012, I was really going through this self-discovery. You know, I, I just come out of some really tough situations in my life. And I was stepping into a new version of myself where I was really trying to discover, uh, relearn myself because I knew that I was very different. I was starting to let go of some friends and I was feeling very like lonely in the world. Um, And so for me, it was essentially about creating space in Scarborough because as as a young person, I was very angry and there was no spaces for me to express my anger. I, a lot of my friends were angry and there's no spaces for them to express their anger. I mean, I went to this event at a church and I seen what they were doing um, and, I, and I thought it was really cool. What I wanted to do was actually uh, eliminate the religious aspect of it and uh, just really allow that to be something that uh, could be for anybody and everybody and not be confined by religion or, you know, just... Just, just let it be for anybody. I and mean, you bring your own ideas and religions into it, but at the basis of it is love. And it's about anyone, anyone who wants to come. So uh, I really believed in it. I went to a couple of my friends and I said, hey, this is the idea that I have. And we came up with the acronym together for four guys. And uh, one of them wanted to do media. One of them wanted to do sports. Another wanted to do like basketball mentorship. And um, I said I wanted to do poetry. So Rise was an umbrella, it was a brand, and we'd all kind of do our own thing. We met, and then some guys fell off, and then everyone fell off, and it was just me left with this idea. And I said, there's no way I'm going to you know, not do it, because I knew the power of poetry. I knew what poetry could do for people. I knew what a space could do for people. And then we started on April 16, 2012. We had uh, our first event, 23 people came. And every week is um, everything was on a Monday, you know, the mm-hmm. Monday shows us. And I think it's interesting because no one really does events on Monday, yep. <laughs> but it was kind of yeah. like a way to start your week off to motivate you on right. Monday, you know? And I didn't really care that it was on a Monday at first, but not until, you know, people were like, you should do it on a Friday. I was like, well, no, like there's mm-hmm. so many other things going on a Friday. I'd rather be unique and do it on a Monday. So right. it's like the start of your week, you have Correct. something inspiring to, to kind of get you going. And sure enough, like 25 people, 30 people, 50 people, 60 people, you know, three months in, we had 90 people coming Wow! and, uh, we kept doing it every week. And by the end of the year, we had 223 people that came out to our final event of 2012. And I knew we were doing something right. <laughs> how did you see the community coming together? Like how did, how did these numbers keep coming, keep increasing, but at the same time, how did these people keep coming back? Like someone could be like, oh, cool. I saw an open mic event, bucket list check. Yeah. I'm gone. Yeah. People kept coming back and they, the numbers grew. And they kept growing. Um, it was a word of mouth thing and there's nothing else like it for a lot of people because there's a space you can come and just be you. Like, you know, yeah. you didn't have to come in and a lot of people came pretending to be something and they tell me, they told me like seven years later, like, yo, I came in thinking I had to be like this and the community really humbled me and just let me know I could just be myself, you know? Yeah. And I think uh, because people felt like they didn't, they weren't judged. Yes. What they said on the mic or even yes. sitting in the audience, it, it automatically brought people back. It automatically allowed people to feel like this is a safe space. This is somewhere I could be, I can come to. And it was just a word of mouth thing. You know, one person came, they told their friend and then their friend came and then they told their friend. And then 
it just kind of grew. We weren't even using social media until I think maybe September, maybe like six months in is when I first started using social media. <laughs> yeah. My friend's like, why don't you put on Facebook? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so it's literally just people telling each other, like, hey, come out. Literally people just telling each other every single week. And because it was consistent, because yeah. it was in the mall at Scarborough Town Center, you know, it was just something that was really easy. Right. You know what I mean? Monday night in the mall, Scarborough Town Center, it's in that little hallway there. Yes, Ooh. yes. You know, so people just kept coming and, you know, we grew a community, man. We we grew many communities. Many actually. communities, yeah. Many communities. But the most, I think for me, the, the most amazing thing about why people really kept coming was because they seen, they seen themselves reflected on stage. Right. And they feel, they didn't feel alone, you know, because someone yeah. else could share their experience. Like, oh shoot, I've been through that too. Right, right. And it was cheap to come. It was like, what is it, like $3 at the beginning? It's like $2. It was like $2. Two bucks, man. Oh my God. And then we, then we bumped into $3 and then like, you know, obviously inflation, inflation. No. <laughs> just, just recently, like I think just recently, maybe two years ago, we actually made it $5 and even that's still so cheap. Yeah. You know? But <laughs> it, see what, what intrigues me Randall is that there's tons of open mics across the GTA. Yeah. You know, they come, they pass. Yeah. You don't hear about them again. Yeah. You see a nice poster on, Social media looks cool. You go, you don't ever go again. Yeah. Why has Rise passed the test of time? It's authentic. It's real. It's, it's, and not to say others aren't real, but I know what I do is a result of listening to the people that come out. Right. I sit down, I ask them what they like, I ask them what they don't like, and I maneuver and I change and I pivot. I keep it consistent, you know, Mm -hmm. in the sense that the essence of it stays consistent, but how we deliver that essence can change. Um, mainly for the fact that people have different needs, people have different wants, and that it's not about me. It's about the community and what the community needs. So I listen, mm-hmm. I talk to people, people come to me and they tell me what works, what doesn't work for them necessarily. And we pivot when we need to, but most importantly, we build community. Like we build community and a space for people to not only feel safe, but to feel like they could be themselves, not only feel like they could be themselves, but also just know that it was a consistent space. If you ever needed anything, you can come there. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's food. Like it's yeah. food. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you leave there feeling full. Food for your mind. Yeah. Food for your mind, food for your soul. And I didn't realize that till a few years ago when mm-hmm. I'd leave an event and I felt like, wow, mm-hmm. I just ate. Yeah. My brain just ate. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, man. my brain just said like, you know, I, I, I'm good. Like I just learned something and I can sleep tonight knowing that I, I'm, I'm a different person tonight than I was this morning. Absolutely, man. So can you estimate how many artists have graced the stage at Rise? Yeah, we did that. We did that tally like a, a few months ago. Um, we're looking at about 3,000, around 3,000 artists that have touched the stage. Um, you know, our open mics, our annual events, like all of it. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot of people when you really kind of put it in perspective. But I think about 3,000. That could be, it could be more. Yeah. But around around that, I'm gonna say around people. That's a crazy number. Yeah, it's that's a lot a of people. Cra- that's a yeah, that's a big number. I mean, do you guys have like any sort of like alumni like like way of tracking alumni people who have come before or seeing yeah. what they're up to? Like, um, I mean, there's a lot of people. Whenever people come in, they sign they sign in, right? So you know, we we do get to track based on their signing and their email. Yeah. Um, but it's really about the the relationships that we build with most people. You know, we get to see where they're what they're doing, like. There's a couple artists that I really, really, really support and really value, like JP Sachs. He's living in LA. He just signed a record deal recently. Mm. Uh, Toby, he yep. just signed a record deal recently. Lou is doing some incredible work. 
Havaya Mighty's performed on our stage before, Eleven. Uh, there's so many artists, like there's so many people I could I could list the name that are doing such incredible stuff. Trippy, you know, and and um, it's no credit. I just think it's, you know, creating a platform for people who could then connect with their audience and connect with a new fan base and just really be connected to the art in a very raw way. Uh, it's it, it gives me a lot of pleasure to know that Rise did that for, for them and for many other artists. But yeah, we do follow them every yeah. now and then. And we, we like to keep in touch and just ask them where they're at and what they're doing. And this year, we're going to be a bit more intentional with working with the artists that have come um, mm-hmm. and just supporting them however we can with, in different initiatives. A lot of times when I've looked at some of the posts online, it'll say that so-and-so is performing for the very first time ever. Yeah, yeah. How does that make you feel that you were part of like their story? Like, they can go on to do some phenomenal things. Sure. How does it make you feel that you were part of the story of like of the inception? Like the first time they ever did anything, they ever decided to open up and be vulnerable was that on your platform? It's humbling and it's also very fulfilling. I think fulfilling is a word because, you know, that first time I got to perform and share poetry, you know, that platform for me, that feeling of like, yo, like, ah, you know, I did this. It's a, it can be a life-changing experience, you know, to, to share, to share a part of you where other people listen yeah. and accept and then like, celebrate you you know that that's a very beautiful feeling and i think for me it's just a fulfilling feeling like there's nothing like it especially when they get off stage and they're beaming and they're smiling yes and you could just see like they're different after that you know like they know their voice matters you know they know that their their words are worth listening to and a lot of people have been silenced a lot of people haven't had a voice and i think rise gives a platform you mm-hmm. know to to the voiceless mm. yeah quote-unquote voiceless, because they always had a voice. They just right. needed the platform. Have you had any sort of challenges maintaining a judgment-free zone? Yeah, definitely. You know, we it's called reaching intelligent souls everywhere. We've had our fair share of people that got on the mic and didn't necessarily speak to that, that theme, that brand. So it's hard not to judge, because I, I do believe in, like, music that, or poetry that, you know, has some sort of depth, but there's some people who've come and shared some things that I personally don't vibe with. I try not to judge because I don't know what their lived experience is, but I'm human. So I have mm. to, I have to own that. Uh, the challenge really is if, if, if you're going too far with it of like telling the person, like, you know, they've got to change what they're saying, but this is where we have artist meetings before the events mm-hmm. where we talk to the artists and artists and remind them what the platform really does stand for and why we're here. And I think that alleviates a lot of people coming up and just doing stuff that doesn't fit the brand. Yeah. But uh, I think in, in addition to that, we've had our, you know, a couple of um, instances, we've talked to the artists and if it's just something that doesn't work for them, it doesn't work for them. You know, they may not come back, but I think 95% of artists like already know what it is before they come. And so we don't, that 5%, they don't come back. It's okay. Like our platform just wasn't meant for them and that's all right. But I think there's so many other platforms where you can talk, you know, bunch of stuff, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, for us, it's gotta be some, some sort of like inspiration or motivate. And even if, if you don't consider it to be inspirational, it's just gotta have some sort of substance. Well, what's, what's cool is that rise has expanded. It's not only just poetry, it's there's music, there's yeah. dance. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? How did someone, when did you guys have the idea to say, you know what, let's incorporate dance into this? Well, it was a community really. Yeah. You know? Like people came the, even the first day, 
I thought it was just going to be poetry, <laughs> you know? That's what I did. It's called Rice Poetry before we started. And yeah. so the very first event we had, somebody came to me like, can I sing? And I was like, yeah, like, I don't see why not. There's poetry and singing in the lyrics, right? Um, and then someone asked, can I, can I rap? Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> rhythm and poetry, definitely you can rap. And so um, that's how that kind of came about. The dance was interesting because we, I didn't want to limit it, you know, performance art is performance art. I didn't want to limit it to just poetry because people wanted to bring other things. And it's not, it's not about me. Like the thing about me that I've noticed is I'm just a vessel. That's it. I'm just very blessed to have been given this gift, this uh, gift of connecting people, bringing people together. And the community said they, that's what they want to do. So here you are, the platform's yours. Do what you need to do. It's not about me. It's the furthest thing from me. And I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just grateful, you know, to be Randell, actually. <laughs> it's interesting because most people at some point, their ego would kick in and it would take over and mm-hmm. be like, I did this. This mm-hmm. is me. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to, is it hard to do that? To separate your, yourself from that? It's a good question. Sometimes, you know, I'm human. So sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll think to myself, man, I'm Randell. Like, you know what I mean? But to be honest, like the way I was raised, I, I was raised in a very humble home. My parents are people who've done like some tremendous stuff, but won't talk about it, you know? And I just grew up in an environment where we just don't, we just don't brag and I'm Ghanaian and that's not something we do, you know? Mm-hmm. We don't brag. Uh, we're humble people, you know, we, um, it's just not something, it's not who I am by nature, but I also know that the ego is strong and powerful. And so I've, I've faced some instances but I always check myself because yeah. I ask myself, is it, who's it for Randall? Right. You know, right. What's your intention behind this? And I've also done a lot of like personal work on myself over the years where I, I understand, I, I, I understand my ego quite well. I'm still learning it, but mm. I just don't let it, I don't let it take over. I don't let it uh, show on the mm. surface too much where it affects other people. Right. And, and that's the thing is like, I don't, I've read a lot of books that say strip yourself of your ego and get rid of it. I don't believe in that. I, I, neither do I. Yeah. You can't live without your ego. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like one, one thing that I think that ego is a very um, clever thing. Oh my it's gosh. very clever. It always knows how to make it about itself. Yeah. One thing I, I believe is that the key, well, I guess like the way to live with the ego is to live with it, mm-hmm. but to not live in it. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. I agree. Hmm. To be honest, like there's times where like your ego can be your motivation to do mm-hmm. good things, to Absolutely. go and keep you on your grind and doing what you're doing. I agree. So like that's I think that's that's the trick. Yeah. To find a way to live with it, but Great. not only solely live live, live in it. Mm-hmm. How do you balance being an artist but also a curator at the very same time? Um, how do you know when to tap into the part of you who is there to share your story? Mm-hmm. And how do you know how to step back and you know provide your duties of helping someone else? share their, their gifts and their stories to the world. I don't ever, I don't think I've ever found a balance, you know, in the eight years I've been doing this. And especially the first four years was really tricky because the first four years, it really required me to do more uh, building for the community rather than my own art. But what I've been blessed to do is I've been blessed to perform in different spaces that have kind of encouraged me to write. But my creativity also comes in the event planning. You know, planning events is a creative thing. Right. Uh, Bringing people together is a creative thing. So it may not necessarily be creating in the sense of writing poetry, but the way I've been able to feed both sides is just following my heart, really. You know, if my heart says it wants to write poetry today, I'll write poetry. If it doesn't, it's okay. But 
I'm kind of always writing poetry in my head though, you know? Mm. The way I see the world is in a very poetic way. But the other way is just, you know, finding ways to articulate myself in, in on like on stages, whether it be through poetry or through speech um, or through workshops that I do. So I'm always living a creative life, actually, uh, an artistic life. It just, just kind of like permeates in different ways. Well said. Is it difficult to find the balance, however? Yeah, well, for sure, definitely. It's just a, it's a, it's a challenging thing because you know, if it was up to me, I probably would have written like five poetry books by now. Yeah. You know? uh, but at the same time, that's not what was meant to meant to happen. And I just know I'm in a space right now where I've got to build rise well enough that it can it, it runs without me, which is something I'm really grateful for. I don't have to be there on the Monday night. I, have to be, I don't have to be there on my Thursday night events. I got a team, and they they know what they're doing, and I don't have to be there. So it's a grateful. I'm grateful for that. Cause I don't want people to see rise and think me. I want them to see rise and think like, like the platform, you know, the brand. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to balance. Um, but I just follow my heart and, and I think my heart knows what it's doing. It's leading me towards my best, my best destiny, you know? So yeah. To ins- most inspirational people have gone through something challenging. Right. And, you know, Suffering is not discriminatory uh, of how much money you have or where you live in the world. Absolutely. Like that. Absolutely. So, you know, you are going to face it, whether you're, you know, you're, you're black, white, brown, African, Chinese. It doesn't matter. You know, you're going to experience it at the end of the day. But I think it's, it's really about what you choose to do with it. And for me, I just believe that, you know, it's, it's I'm inspired by people who overcome their suffering and. I really believe that we all have the propensity to truly use our pain to transform that into power and turn that into opportunity. I mean, when you're always in a place where you're hearing others as pain and suffering, or quite often, how do you maintain an uplifting energy? Because I'm sure that can be challenging when you're hearing about some quite serious things. Yeah, for sure. I'm an optimist, but we also celebrate people in, in the, like on the mo- in the moment. You know, we celebrate you for being vulnerable. And so by, like, by, by creating a culture of celebrating people for being vulnerable, it makes it easier to listen and take those things in. You know, a lot of people come to me even personally to share the things that they're going through, but I've just learned not to take it on personally, mm-hmm. like very beginning. I'm an empath, but in the very beginning I did, but I have my coping mechanisms. I have my self-care tips, my tools and tricks and things that I do to really allow myself to not take it on personally. Yeah. Um, but I think by being optimistic and by creating a, a space that celebrates vulnerability, those two things really allow me to listen and connect. Yes. Disassociate in the sense of not allowing it to become my problem. Mm. Yeah. So that's what helps me. Disassociation for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, disassociation is, is great. That's kind of how, that's, I think that's, we, we all need that for all therapy. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you if you saw this, but uh, Robert De Niro was um, he was provided with uh, I think he was given an honorary degree okay. uh, from one of the universities. I think it was in New York. It was the I can't remember where it was, but he was giving a speech to the graduating class. Yeah, and he said something along the lines like, "Don't complain about your struggle because without it, really, who are you?" Um, and I, I see I see the both I see that on both perspectives. Mm-hmm. I see the side that yes, your struggle 
there's meaning to it. So yeah. it's here to teach you something for sure. But at the same time, I feel like people only find meaning in their struggle. Mm. So there's times where like people be like, well, I'm struggling. This has to mean something. And if it doesn't yeah. mean something, then what am I doing? And you start yeah. to panic. For sure. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, it's very easy to take things personal. So I'm going to go back to one of my favorite books. It's called The Four Agreements. And I love that book by Don Miguel Ruiz. I actually read that book like, like a month into Rise. And, and that was a really helpful book. So one thing, the first, so there's four principles. And the first agreement says, um, be impeccable with your word. So it means like anytime you speak, always speak in the in direction of truth and love. You know, the second one says, don't take anything personal. Third is don't make any assumptions. You know, if you have any assumptions, you never want to necessarily assume that it's right because it's an assumption. And it's always best to ask, to have the courage to ask questions. And the fourth one is always do your best. And one thing it talks about, uh, it says, you know, there's something in our minds that's the victim and there's something in our minds that's the judge. And so the victim will, you know, accept like, oh, the world hates me. I'll do all these bad things to me. You know, I deserve this. I'm not worthy. But then the judge would be like, yes, you're not worthy. You know, you're a bad person. You did this. Look, you deserve that. And so essentially, I, I just... I just remind myself that at the end of the day, we can all choose to either respond or react to what happens in mm -hmm. our lives, right? And for me, I just try not to take things personal because I realize that basically like the universe is not necessarily happening to me, but for me. And it's happening for all of us because it knows, you know, what is, what's, what's going on, right? So I just don't want to hold my, my suffering or my right. pain as, as like, who I am. Yes. It's not who I am. It's not to say I deserve that. Yeah. It's not to say that, you know, my pain, yes, my pain is going to be a part of my journey, my story, but it's not who I am. I can't associate that with the I that I am. And so I keep that in mind. It's difficult sometimes. It's very hard sometimes, you know, because, you know, life has a way of really throwing things our way, but that's really my, my thing. Like, staying away from being, from victimizing myself and judging myself in a way and, and not really taking things personal because pain will come and pain will go. But I don't want to hold that pain to say like, it, it owes me something. Like it owes me a lesson or it owes me, you know, something like growth. Like I don't want to do that because it'll happen naturally on its own. That's just how the universe works. You know, it just is what it is. So uh, to, to kind of hold your pain or hold your suffering hostage to, to say like, teach me something, you know, like, I don't think that's right. I think it, that's, you can't force a lesson, right? It has to come naturally. It has to come on its own. And it usually comes in hindsight. Exactly. Not when you want it to either. Yeah. It usually <laughs> comes like, you know, four years later, you'll be up at night and you'll start cringing, like, Oh wait, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. When you don't fight it though, you know, when yeah. you try to fight to learn, tried to fight to get to, to like squeeze the juice out of it. Yeah. It won't come out. No. Yeah. That's true. That's I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So rise initially started out in the East end of Toronto, which is Scarborough. Yep. Um, so for those who are listening, who are not from the GTA Scarborough, uh, is in the Eastern part of, uh, the, the greater Toronto area. Yep. So it's, and it still happens there till this day on Monday nights. Yeah. Um, now you grew up here in Scarborough. I did. Uh, I also watched a documentary late last year mm -hmm. about Scarborough mm -hmm. where you were an integral part of the community and you spoke about living here, mm -hmm. what it meant to you mm -hmm. and how important it is for you to put your neighborhood on the map and showcase mm -hmm. Scarborough. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, 
I'm not from Scarborough. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had to spend some time here in university because um, a friend of mine and I, we were uh, producing music together. Nice. So we'd always work out of his basement. So yeah. that was my, um, that was my introduction to Scarborough. Now my experience with it. Yeah. But um, why has that been important to you to put your neighborhood on the map? This place has really birthed a lot of stars, a lot of celebrities. A lot of people have come out of here. You know, there's a lot of people that I can name, a lot of notable people. One person who claims this place (laughs) quite a bit. But um, I think for me, Scarborough has been an amazing place to grow and heal and learn and discover myself. And so many people have done the same and have found, even if it wasn't stardom, they found some sort of purpose to give back to the world. And so I wanted to make sure that the young generation coming up after me didn't necessarily have to grow up thinking that they had to be a certain way, but that there was a community that they came out of that could give them inspiration to say, I could make it. I can make it beyond these walls. Because there's, there's some kids in Scarborough that don't leave Scarborough. Like, mm-hmm. they just stay here and they just don't leave Scarborough. Sometimes they don't even leave their own neighborhood, you know? And that's the reality. But I want to let them know, like... Scarborough to the world, you know what I mean? Like Scarborough just has so much, so much to learn. Like I love the parks here in Scarborough. I love the people. I love the fact that there's so much food you can eat here in Scarborough. I love uh, the fact that it's very communal. It's, uh, it's homey. Like, I don't know. It's just, you know, I'm biased yes. that I grew up here, but it's, it's very comfortable to grow up here. There's a lot of good people here that live here too, you know? And yeah. I wanted to change that perception because every time I hear about Scarborough elsewhere, people think it's, dangerous uh but there's shootings that happen downtown all the time and probably more shootings that happen downtown that happen in that That happens anywhere and everywhere anywhere and everywhere and so you just got to change your perception of it because it made me who i am today and it made a lot of my friends who they are today and i have a lot of good people that i know that have come out of scarborough and i don't want the next generation thinking that they have to be a certain way i want them to know like they can be whatever they want to be i think that's what's good about it because when you see that someone came from before you Mm -hmm. lived on same block that I lived on, mm-hmm. live on same, went to the same school I went to. It just, it puts things in perspective to make you feel like, yes, like I can, I can do it. And I think it's really important that you are, you know, specifically shouting out the specific neighborhood that you're from. Mm-hmm. Because when we listen to music, uh, when I listen to Jay-Z talking about, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. you know, when I went out to New York City, I was like, I need to go to Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, you'll go somewhere and it'll, so it'll be streets. So yeah. it'll be streets with signs with buildings. Yeah. But what it means to you is is a feeling that you can't describe. Exactly. Um, I actually like this past year, I I went to Atlanta. Okay. Because a lot of people just mentioned Atlanta and music, and I heard a lot about it in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And I just kept hearing about it and hearing about it. I'm like, okay, like I, I need to go. Yeah. And one thing I learned about Atlanta was those are the nicest people I've met in my life. The nicest people ever. I remember I was like looking down on my phone at the GPS because I didn't know where I was going. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, you're not from here. Where are you from? Okay, I'll help you get there. This yeah. is where you go. And everyone will look you in the eye. Mm-hmm. And before they leave, they're looking to say, have a nice day. Goodbye. And like in the most, you know, nicest way possible. Sure, yeah, People just genuinely like literally would be on the subway and they'd see someone make conversation. Let's start it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you don't, you don't see that here. Mm-hmm. And, and not to say that it's a different place. Mm-hmm. It's a different place, mm-hmm. different vibe, different everything. So it's not without any judgments, but sure. I think that's really cool that, you know, you do shout out your, your specific neighborhood because you'd want in a way that if people were to come here from 
if someone was to come here from a different city, if someone was to come to Toronto from Atlanta, mm-hmm. they'd be like, I want to go check with Scarborough. Yeah. I want to go see what's going on over yeah, there. Straight up. Yeah. So I, I think that's really cool that you do that, that you do that. Um, and I think everybody should do, be doing that with their neighborhood. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so one thing, uh, Nuit Blanche Toronto, mm-hmm. which is uh, Toronto's biggest outdoor art festival that happens every year in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that you had a part to play in having that extended to Scarborough. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Um, you know, they had this idea of bringing it to Scarborough. And so I sat down with them in the early planning phase and we just had conversations about what it could look like. I'm not going to take any credit to say like, you know, I brought it here necessarily, but I did support in some of the uh, installations and putting on uh, the first year, you know, we had an amazing concert, (laughs) like probably one of my favorite events we've done with rides at the back of Scarborough Civic Center. So I just think it's about changing the perception of what people see as Scarborough here, but also, you know, giving, just providing platforms, man. People just got to know, that there's an opportunity because if the opportunities don't exist and people don't know that it exists, then it just, if you don't know it doesn't, it, the opportunity exists, it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. you know? And so we just want to let people know, like there are things you can do here in Scarborough yeah. for the next Rendell, you know, for yeah. the next Rendell, for the next, uh, the week, the next weekend, the next Maestro Fresh West, the yeah. next Socrates, you know, all these people who've come out of here done some amazing stuff. You know, if you see the, the Walk of Fame, you'd be surprised. There's like some amazing people that right, come yeah. out here. So you remember the show Franklin we used to watch back in the day? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Franklin's mom, the voice of Franklin's mom, she's from Scarborough. Okay, And cool. I mean, like there's people who've done great stuff, but right. you, they won't get the credit. You know what I mean? Scarborough I mean, won't get the credit. So You know what? I, I, I spend a lot of time on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. so I will read where people are from. <laughs> I'll read their entire bios. That's incredible. So I, I, I'm aware of that. You yeah. know, Mike Myers and, yeah, exactly. you know, all these guys and The Weeknd and yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, uh, well, well, what's interesting about you is that you are truly making a change in the city, but you're also meeting with counselors, politicians. Yeah. Um, I think you were with the mayor of Toronto last night. Yeah. Um, what feedback from, do you get from those who are in office, those who have the power to, to be change makers? Mm-hmm. How do they feel about the way the creative arts are helping to keep the youth off the streets and to keep them out, out of danger? I do believe that politicians see the value of arts, you know, organizations like RISE that have been pushing arts and they're paying attention, uh, whether they they want to or not, they're paying attention. But I do believe that, you know, the the city is really seeing art in a new lens, obviously extending Nuit Blanche to Scarborough and Etobicoke this past year, and they're going to be extending it even further, actually. I think in 2021, the mayor is going to dub... dub it the year of art um, in the city. Okay. And so, you know, him, Councillor Thompson, uh, there's a lot of councillors that are really looking to bring arts here and do creative stuff in Scarborough. Yep. And this year's going to be a lot of that actually in Scarborough. You know, a lot of plans to bring art to the side of the city for young people and just for community to enjoy. So I do see the, 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 the benefit. And whenever I do talk to them, like they get it, you know, they get it. I don't have to explain anything to them. They already know the impact it has. And I think they also see like the, the economic benefits as right. well, you know, so it's not just necessarily the social impact, which to me is the most important. The money will come like that. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the money, you know, it'll come if you, you know, if you 
plan and strategize, but, but the money's what helps to build the infrastructure. Totally. And, everything. Absolutely. and they get that. And I think that's, that's why I like that about them. And there's a lot of arts organizations doing really well. You know, coalition music is here in Scarborough and coalition music is, is, uh, you know, they manage simple plan. They manage a lot of, you know, bands that have come out of here. Bare naked ladies are from Scarborough yeah. actually, you know what I mean? Yeah. So people just like, people just don't know how amazing, you know, Scarborough has produced so many great people, but uh, I think the politicians, they themselves see the value, uh, not only see the value, but also see the impact that it can have on the city as a whole. It's amazing, man. Um, and uh, I see that Rise has become, as, as we've mentioned, has become a prominent figure in you know Toronto for, for the creative arts. But what's really cool is that, you know, Rise and yourself, you guys partner with a lot of other cities and what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you guys have a partnership with um, a group out in, in London, UK. Yeah. So I saw that they, they actually came here and they headlined at Rise for a week. Yeah. Why is it important to build these international relationships or not even international, just relationships with different cities? It's, it's, a, it's key because what we learn, well, Scarborough's a melting pot. Right. In and of itself. Scarborough to me is a world of one city. You know, you can go literally anywhere in Scarborough and just about have almost every country, almost every country in the world represented, you know? Yeah. In Scarborough, the larger GTA as a whole. But I really do call Scarborough the world in one city. And so the idea The world in one city. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I see it. And so the idea of having people really you know, see, come to see Scarborough and see the diversity here in Scarborough, um, I think is important, but it's also important to build those connections because it allows us to learn from other parts of the world right? and then kind of take, and that's what Scarborough is. You take a little bit of different cultures, you kind of mix it up and that's our food. You know what I mean? That's our food. Like, and then you mix it up and then boom, we create some amazing dish out of it, some amazing art form out of it. And so I want to make these connections with different cities, just mainly off the merit of learning. Right. And even the, the partnership we had with the UK, they're from a place called Brixton. And Brixton is very similar to Scarborough. It is uh, a part of the city in London that was a very, uh, very black in, in the early, in, in the 90s. And so Scarborough itself, I'm not going to say Scarborough is very black, but it's very cultured. It's very, very cultured in black, very cultured in black culture. And so, uh, it was just great to bring them here to see and learn. And then we did the same thing when we went to London. Uh, and there's just a great exchange program, actually. Man, London is a great place. Great I went city. to London last year. Yeah. I love that city. If I, I Honestly, if I didn't live anywhere, other, if I didn't live in Toronto, I think I'd want to live in London, UK. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. You feel just the arts there in it. They have the history, too. Yeah, right? they, that's the thing. Yeah. We don't have the history. We don't have the history. Yeah. We don't have it yet. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's, I feel like London's like what Toronto can be in the next like 25 years. Oh, sure. <laughs> like, it's just, they, you know, they have, it's truly, they have the history, they have it. Um, when you hear the artists that come out of London, like the musicians, the way they sing, like you feel it in your soul. Yeah, man. It's different. <laughs> it, it is Del, different. Sam Smith. Yeah. Um, Emily Sunday. That's Emily Sunday. Oh yeah. What, like, what's my, uh, my guy with the red hair. Red hair. Um, he's an amazing singer, plays a guitar. Oh. James Arthur. Oh, he's incredible too, but not him. 
Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> How do we forget that guy? <laughs> forget that guy. Of all people, that yeah, guy. That guy, yeah. Burna Boy. You know, Burn there's a lot of yeah. people coming out of there right now doing some yeah. Georgia Smith. A lot of great music coming out of there right now. Even like and even what they have going on with Grime. I know. It's it's, it's, it's amazing. I so I think that's definitely a, a good city to partner with. Totally. And to um any other cities that you guys plan to increase partnerships with? Yeah. I mean, I'm from Ghana, I'm from Accra. Yeah. Uh, so I mean there's partnerships where we're no, no you know negotiating right now in in Accra. Uh, I definitely I went to Atlanta myself last year too right. for my first time and I definitely want to make some partnerships. I've already started some partnerships in Atlanta. Um, New York is right down the street. We've done we've worked with New York artists from New York. We've worked with artists from Chicago. LA is not too far, you know. So certain uh, metropolitans like Toronto, yeah, I think are important to partner with and I in the future, one thing I do really want to do is I really do want to uh, connect with other parts of Canada because mm. there's this Halifax that's cultured, you know, there's like Vancouver, there's different places that I want to be able to partner with. Yeah. Um, and just kind of build, you know, build, build, yeah. build, build with them. Yeah. You, you mentioned, cause uh, you're from Ghana and I yeah. saw that you were in Ghana just uh, not too long ago. Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. Um, what, what, what was going on over there? Because were you there for a conference? Um, what was happening? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, they dubbed 20... Uh, so the UN dubbed this past from uh, 2014 to 2024 yeah. as a decade of people from African descent. And so last year, 2019, Ghana called it the year of the return. Mm. And so Ghana just happened to be the port where a lot of slaves were taken during the transatlantic slave trade. And so they were brought to different parts of the Caribbean, you know, to Europe, of course, to Canada and the Americas. And so it was a welcome back, you know, because they had castles that literally sent the ships that went. So I went there for the year of the return, knowing that there's going to be a lot of people from around the world that were there. And sure enough, I met a lot of great people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of great people. Uh, had some amazing experiences, met some, you know, celebrities and some really like people doing some great work there. And uh, I was there for for that. But also my friend had an event where she brought some artists from Toronto to perform and different parts of, of Canada to perform. And so I just wanted to be a part of that and be like really invested and involved in what that could look like. So it was a great experience, man. Like it just it just reminded me that Ghana has a lot of opportunity and a lot of like yeah, just a lot of opportunities to partner and just really build with them on that mm-hmm. side and then kind of do these exchanges. Yeah. So, you know, because I'm from there, I just want to give opportunity to some of my brothers and sisters over there. Of course. And then give opportunity for people here to go there and see this beautiful country that is now like the fourth fastest growing economy in the world. Top five uh, tourist attractions, um, you know, CNN, CNN and different, you know, like worldwide is really known as a hotspot. To, yeah. to, to travel because you get a, you get the best of everything. You know, there's, there's natural, there's nature. The beaches are incredible. The music's amazing. The food is great. Like, right. you know, it's not that expensive to go there considering it being Africa. And there's a lot of ways to get there too. So it's just, it's just growing. I saw you actually, you had a picture with Akon too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to meet Akon. Um, that was amazing. Akon and Boris Cujo, his wife, Nicole, and then I see Jadena. So then Fuse, like there's some, some amazing people I got to meet. So yeah, I'm blessed. And and uh, knowing that most of them are Ghanaian. Uh, well, Akon's not Ghanaian and neither is his wife, but a lot of people that are Ghanaian and, and just people who see the value of being there. It was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
you, you think we'll see more, um, more, more tourism, more, uh, uh, yeah, more tourism being, um, advertised to, to, to go out there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, last year was the year of the return and this year they're calling it beyond the return. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of calling entrepreneurs and yeah. people to come back and, you know, start business opportunity, potential business opportunities over there. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot to do. Yes. There's a lot of opportunities to start and it's happening. And the Renaissance is really coming uh, for Ghana. It's kind of like how, how Harlem was in like the, the 40s and 50s. Right. Uh, and 60s. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's our time. That's cool, man. Yeah, man. You get to be a part of, you know, the growth of so many different projects, like internationally, like started out in your community and look at where, where it's gone to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know that you said that, you know, spoken word right now is your, your forte. It's your, it's your, it's your way that you want to express yourself. But mm-hmm. when I speak to you, I hear about your stories, your interests, what I see personally, I see a play. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about a theater version of all of this? Have you ever given theater any thought? Yeah, I have. Um, I've given theater some thought for sure. It's of course orchestrating it and organizing it, but I definitely see, you know, just some of the artists that I work with, like pitching, you know, rappers, poets, singers to come together and do some work, but also just my own story. I've got a quite an incredible story that I'd love to see, you know, in script and see people like draw lessons from, Mm. you know, it's, it's unique to me, but I know a lot of people are really inspired when I open up and tell them who I am and what I've been through. They, they don't believe me when I tell them, you know, I was, you know, suspended many times or some of the stuff that I've done when I was younger. So, I mean, it's like a 180. I definitely made a 180. <laughs> and uh, I did. I do see it, though. To answer your question, I do see it. I do see it happening. Yeah. Um, so hopefully get some funding for it because those things are expensive. <laughs> no, no doubt. Yeah. Um, do you see any logistics around it as to when when and where is just, it's just an idea right now. Right now it's an idea. Um, but there's an opportunity. There's a couple of theaters that I know, um, that I've got a cool partnership with. I mean, I probably want to see it happen in Scarborough, <laughs> but there's some partnerships that I have downtown that I could really leverage. Uh, so if it were to happen probably next year, this year, my focus is a little different. My focus is really on, on helping, on helping a lot of artists, you know, get opportunities to perform in different spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, just like really supporting artists here in the city. I want to help the emerging artists in the city to, you know, you don't have to be famous, but if you can make $80,000 a year off your art, yeah, let me help you do it. You know, why not? Let's build an infrastructure where artists can, can do that and take care of their families and not have to work a job they don't want to do, but they can live a fulfilling life, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, man. So that's what Absolutely. I want to do. So we covered, we covered quite a bit, but there's one, the, probably the most, my, my favorite part, um, I was hoping we get a piece from you, a, a poem or so. Is that something that's that's in the cards for today? I, I had a feeling you'd ask. Um, I can share one. I'm just I'm just trying to think of which one makes the most sense right now, or what I'm feeling right now. Um, I got one. Uh, so just kind of going back to what we initially spoke about was with we suffer to inspire. Uh, I really do believe in this idea of creating, creating opportunity out of adversity. And this is a poem that kind of illustrates that it's called brokenness. Um, I know too many broken people broke into pieces. They think they cannot fix like shattered glass. They may cut you when they try to uplift 
slice the helping hands, hoping to heal the harm that's happened to them. They often hurt in silence and smile in your face today, but tomorrow you may hear of how their brokenness escalated its acts of violence. We often judge these broken people and call them names, label them forgetting like flipping a coin, they too can change. But what does it really mean to be broken when it is broken people that have helped mend the world? I realize that in my brokenness is when my true life unfurled. Brokenness is a sign of recreation, a sign of growth. But we fear brokenness because we fear the unknown and uncertainty. But brokenness can piece our holes together perfectly, sometimes permanently. After all, if you've never known brokenness, how would you know when you were whole? If you've never been broken, then how would you measure your growth? That's a piece there. Hey, yeah. <laughs> thank you, man. Thank you. That was, that was, that was beautiful, man. For sure. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. So for those that are listening, uh, Randell, how can, how, how can our listeners find you on social media and also how can they follow rise? Yeah. I mean, you can follow rise on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram and Twitter is at R I S E underscore E D T. On Facebook, it's Rise Movement, R.I.S.E Movement on Facebook or riseedutainment.com online. Uh, and for myself, I'm Randella J. That's spelled R-A-N-D-E-L-L. Last name is A-D-J-E-I. And you can find me on all platforms with that name, uh, but I'm mostly on Instagram. Uh, that's my website name as well, too. Uh, so, yeah, yeah that's, that's how you can you know, stay in touch with me. So thank you, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Finding Perspective podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and learned something new, please hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. To stay up to date with all things Finding Perspective, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Finding Perspective Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at underscore Kapil Guy. Hope you had a great week. Until next time.